Welcome to episode 44 of Behaviorally Speaking, a podcast featuring board-certified behavior analysts Angela Nelson and Kristen Bondi. On this episode, they talk about parenting styles and ways to create harmony, even if your parenting style may differ from your partner. And now, here are your hosts, Angela Nelson and Kristen Bondi. Hello and welcome to our 44th episode of Behaviorally Speaking. I'm one of your hosts, Angela Nelson board-certified behavior analyst and mother of two. And I'm Kristen Bondi, also a board-certified behavior analyst and mother of three. Angie, I think we need to adjust your intro. Oh. Thank you recently. <laughs> uh, not to not to put you on the spot, but <laughs> I think we uh, you want to share your recent accomplishment? Oh, yeah. You need I'm, to say, you need to add that in. I need to add in Dr. Angela Nelson. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Love well, it. A lot of yeah. hard work went into that. You mentioned it Many, a few times on the podcast. Like you're like, yeah. oh, I'm doing my dissertation. I think people yeah. could probably put it together, but <laughs> you're done. You're officially know. You have another thing checked off your list and you have more time for reading. <laughs> <laughs> I know it's funny. What was I reading last night? Smart but Scattered Guide to oh, Success. Making our cheat sheet, uh, you know, <laughs> Google Doc. Like, yeah. Yes. And, and the nerd yeah. that I am. But <laughs> yes, I do. I have been diving into like lots of fun reading. I don't have to read textbooks anymore and write until midnight. So yeah, it's been that? a long many years. Uh, finally done. So yeah, <laughs> yeah, I will get there again in life. I feel like I talked to a lot of parents about this and I don't know, this probably goes to like our parent guilt or burnout episode or one of the many. But I feel like at the end of the day, I'm just totally tapped. I just mm -hmm. can't even think about reading anything <laughs> i feel like yeah even if i like it i'm just kind of like don't i don't want to use my mind at all right now but i feel like that changes right just tell me it changes <laughs> yeah i mean i think when you're when you're like at a point where you're ready to do it again do skill again you kind of i don't know you something changes and you just you add it into your routine and you kind of get in the mode <laughs> mm -hmm. So yeah, so that's that's what's new in in my world. But um, <laughs> I don't know. Should we should we dive into this topic? Yeah, let's today? do it. This is a really good one. I'm very excited about this one today. I'm excited too. So today we're talking about parenting styles and how oftentimes two we're gonna say co-parents, right? It could be your partner, your spouse, wh whoever, maybe even a, a friend or a family member. But mm -hmm. so for, you know, for ease, we're going to say co-parent. But many times those co-parents don't have the same parenting styles. And we're not mm -hmm. talking about like your teenager is going to homecoming and you think her dress is too short and you think and the other person thinks it's not, you know, like a little difference of opinion. We're talking about substantial differences in style of parenting. We're mm -hmm. going to get into that. Um, but, you know, I think big picture Parenting is hard. <laughs> there is, there yep. is uh, more than one way to to parent. Oftentimes, it stems from how you were parented, right? I so heard. we're gonna we're gonna first dive into parenting styles and then talk about how to create harmony, despite the fact that you might have parent di uh, differences in parenting styles. Yeah, yeah, so good. I'm glad that you set that expectation and that it's not just about these tiny differences, but overall, you know, things are going okay. I, I think that there are some families and many families and many that I consult with 
where there's just completely different styles. But like you said, I think there are ways to kind of harmonize that a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. So before we get going into, you know, kind of creating harmony, harmony, we we were looking this up and and many of you are probably familiar with the the four main parenting styles. And so what we're going to do first is just go through those, list those out and, and maybe list out some pros and cons to those just so you get a better understanding of the parenting styles. There's lots of different resources that you can find. We, we found some good stuff on Stanford Children's. Parents Magazine has some good resources too. So, mm-hmm. so we can certainly, you know, dive into that. Um, so the first one uh, being authoritative parenting style and Essentially, this means it comes from frequent communication between parents and children. So within that communication, perhaps we're setting very clear expectations. There's going to be a lot of explanations surrounding discipline, and there's going to be a lot of guidance, teaching, and support. And then, of course, you know, within that communication, there's going to be collaboration and nurturing. And so that's kind of the definition of the authoritative parenting style. And then certainly with anything in life, right? <laughs> There's some pros and cons to everything. Um, and so some pros that that we learned about when it comes to this parenting style is kids essentially have a good sense of accountability and leadership. And this is likely because they've been able to make decisions and choices on their own, and therefore they're able to do that in the future. And children typically are more respectful, and that could be because parents are modeling respect for them. Okay. And then they're ultimately more resilient. And so it could be because they're they're allowed to fail, right? So they're allowed to make some mistakes and fail. And then ultimately, they're going to learn from those mistakes. So those can be some pros that, that we read about when it comes to authoritative parenting style. And then, of course, there's there's a con to, to all different styles, right? And so some cons to this one is this approach is seen by many researchers to lead to the best overall outcomes for kids. So it's harder to find cons here, right? So as we described, um, it can take a great deal of patience and time to have this style. So I think that's kind of the, although, so it's not necessarily a con to the parenting style, right? But it's saying that this is a really hard style to do, right? And <laughs> we all might have effort. <laughs> yeah, like we all might have this style in mind because after I read it, I was like, that sounds amazing, right? Like yeah. that's the best style. Oh, wow, I want to do that. But I think the con is how do we keep up with that? And I think yeah. again, kind of maybe a sidebar to that is Sometimes we might create the expectation for ourselves, right, that that's going to be my parenting style and therefore okay. con could be a result, uh, some sort of parent, maybe parenting guilt or, you know, guilt or shame at the end of the day because you're not actually li- living up to that expectation yeah. you've set for yourself. So, right. Yeah. I think it feels like easy. a big con. Yeah. yeah, definitely. I think um, some people settle into this style more easily than others too. Like some okay. people strive for that style, but, you know, if you had parents that were falling in this style it might be a little bit easier you might not be thinking about it so much but right yeah yeah <laughs> yeah it feels more natural yeah that makes sense um so another one so the second one we we hear about and we read about is authoritarian so okay. it sounds similar but different um and so this style of parenting comes with really high expectations usually we'll see quite firm rules and punishments right so it's like okay. this is how it needs to be this is why and because I said so, right? Right. <laughs> I hate yeah. to put that one in there, but it's just it kind of what we see, right? The because um, I said so is yeah. like all over the literature around right. this one. Yeah. Right. Right. And so 
obviously we're going to see that it's, it's tends to be less nurturing and flexible. And mm-hmm. so what we're saying is parents are making the rules and then children are, are expected to follow, right? And they're not okay. able to, to negotiate. Right. Um, so some pros and cons to this one. So some pros that you could see would be that kids typically engage in better behavior, right? So they know I better not step out of line here, <laughs> right? Mm-hmm. Because there's potentially going to be a consequence. I know what that's going to be. And yeah. therefore, I'm going to follow the rules. So we do see that that is a is a pro, and there's typically more achievement in school. So maybe higher achievement, more effort put forth within with their grades and schoolwork. And we're going to see that there's again low risk taking behavior because of the fear, right, of of potentially getting punished or or things that might go wrong there. Yeah. So there are cons to that one, uh, or pros to that one. Um, <laughs> but now <laughs> talking a little bit about the cons. So, of course, there's going to be some cons with this one. And essentially, it's, you know, kids are over-reliant on the rules. And so when they're not met with a situation where or when they're met with a situation where there's not a clear guideline or this is exactly what you need to do, Mm -hmm. they might then feel more insecure, right? Like, ooh, I don't actually know how to handle this situation because I haven't, you know, I haven't gotten the rule defined for me on this one. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And some other things we might see. Uh, some rebellious tendencies there. So kids might tend to rebel because they're they're too constricted, uh, reduce self-esteem, and and maybe they're likely to be a little bit more emotionally withdrawn because that, you know, that door has not been open for them. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's a good way to, to put that. Mm-hmm. Okay. So that was our authoritarian style. We're going to segue over. We're going to talk about the two remaining styles of parenting. The first one being permissive. So when you see permissive parents, this tends to look like very nurturing um, parents that want to be more the friend as opposed to the authority figure. So Mm -hmm. friend-like interactions. There are usually fewer expectations, fewer rules, if any, um, not really well-defined discipline. So parents that have this style, they opt for more natural consequences instead of kind of firm imposed consequences. They try to emphasize giving their kids freedom and they're not overly concerned with safety. So this would be like the opposite of like the helicopter parent. (laughs) So yeah, they're not, they're not so concerned about like, oh my gosh, don't do that. Don't climb the tree. Right. (laughs) So yeah, I guess this would be kind of more that free range parenting. That's kind of one of those new terms, Uh right? Like free range parenting. Um, so the pros here that uh, are that kids usually have a good deal of self-assurance. They've had the opportunity to practice that. They might be extra creative, a good sense of, you know, no surprise here, exploration and adventurousness um, mm-hmm. because they've, yeah, they've been given the, the freedom to do so. Um, the cons, though, would be that they might be more risk prone. They might have a more risk prone temperament, um, oftentimes due to just a lack of boundaries. And some studies show that this type of parenting style can lead to higher rates of anxiety and depression among kids. Um, and then yeah. also, just like we saw in the last one, um, might be a surprise, but here it may also result in rebellion. So when we saw authoritarian um, parenting, because it was so rigid, kids might rebel. In this case, too, they might be rebellious because they just they don't really have to follow rules they can kind of do what they want to do and oh, that might cause sense. some rebellion in school and so on it's like hey wait a second no i i mm-hmm. i'm the ruler of my <laughs> domain, right, so right i, I make my listen. world yeah yeah <laughs> yeah 
So that's permissive. And then lastly, we go into uninvolved parenting style. So this style comes with basically getting the the basic needs fulfilled, but not much else beyond that. Not a lot of involvement, usually low levels of nurturing expectations and rules. So in the previous three, we saw kind of high in one, low in the other, and so on. In this case, we've got pretty much low across the board. So the pros here, you've got usually a good sense of self-reliance and resilience among these kids, but that's oftentimes just out of necessity. Like they didn't Uh really have a choice. They kind of have to just be a self-starter and be a go-getter because there isn't really anybody else that's kind of looking out for them. And then as you might imagine, there are quite a few cons to this one. A lack of emotional connection with their parents. Usually we see lower self-esteem. Might be emotional neediness in other relationships because they aren't getting Uh those needs met. There might be some challenges socially due to just not having models um, and teaching opportunities from their parents. And lack of uh, coping skills, as we might assume. Some of the literature also points to this just being at the style that leads to the overall worst outcomes for for kids. Uh, I will make a caveat to say a lot of times this is not a choice, an active, deliberate choice that parents are making. Sometimes parents, again, this is what they saw from their parents or, you know, they're going through their own hardships or trauma and things like that. And they're just not involved um, because they can't be. So, so yeah, mm-hmm. I just want to mention that oftentimes it's not that parents are choosing to be uninvolved. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, those are the four parenting styles. Yeah, and I kind of think of like uh, parents who might be, um, you know, really depressed perhaps or like yeah. really struggling Substance with their abuse. own mental health. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. So it's not necessarily a choice. Yep. Okay. Well, that that sums up those four <laughs> um, yeah. really well, actually. So one other thing I wanted to mention, and I was just looking this up uh, a little bit ago, there are, obviously, there's the four types of parenting styles, right? But within kind of how everything in life just tends to evolve, if you're on any of the the socials, as we've said, right, there's <laughs> going to be uh, other just parenting styles that we see. And so I wanted to mention a few, um, a few that have co- that come up on a lot of the different sites, right? For so. Sure. Just I'll mention a few real quickly, and then we can certainly get into into it. Yeah. Uh, so one was ex- instinctive parenting. So this we already mentioned this, but there's a name for it, right? And essentially, this means that you're going to parent the way that you were parented, just mm-hmm. like Angie said before, right? So it's it's good or bad. It doesn't it doesn't necessarily mean anything. It just means like this is what feels good to me. Therefore, this is what I'm comfortable with. So I'm going to parent this way. Mm-hmm. And so kind of going back to what we were saying before maybe you really have the goal of being an authoritative parent, right? However, you were, parenti- you were parented with an authoritarian parenting style. Yeah. So you might fall back into that naturally, even against your best wishes for yourself. So I think it's important to mention that sometimes this can play a role. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Another one we hear about often is called attachment parenting, which I'm sure many are familiar with this one. And so essentially... We see this one with with little kids, right? Babies. And we say, okay, well, babies need to be held and loved and nurtured and supported. And mm-hmm. attachment parenting kind of goes beyond just the baby, right? So it's it's essentially providing a lot of emotional support and, and strength or emotional support and responding quickly and immediately when when kids have any adversity in life. <laughs> so it's mm-hmm. it's kind of like jumping in almost too soon and not allowing kids to work it out for themselves. Yeah. So 
And so essentially that's, you know, it's kind of like that. And something else that I mentioned in here is so I think the belief behind this method of parenting is that <laughs> attachment to the parent ultimately helps the child become more secure, empathetic, and peaceful as a human being. Mm. So, so uh-huh. yeah, again, like all things, right, there could be some pros and cons here. Yeah. Yeah. And then the last one that I was reading about, and you already mentioned this, and, and we we probably hear about this a lot, and I'm sure you all have heard about helicopter parenting, right? Yeah. And so um, I actually read something earlier, too. I think I think it was called like conscious parenting now. It's like kind of shifting, but um, in a better way, because helicopter parenting has like a very negative connotation to it. Yeah. Um, but there's like a, well, but you could be a conscious parent, and then, you know, it's better. So look at what up. Um, but essentially helicopter parenting is you're just you're being too protective, right? And therefore you're interfering with your child's life. And again, it goes beyond just like the safety stuff when they're mm-hmm. little, right? Like, no, you cannot put that screwdriver in the electrical socket, right? <laughs> or eat the bleach, right? But oh my God. <laughs> but this goes to like when kids are older, it might be like, I don't want you to to um, you know, leave the house or I don't right. want you to do these things or no, you can't be friends with these people, things like that, right? So interfering with kids' lives um, Mm -hmm. certainly can be problematic as kids get older. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So I think a good summary for that is that, you know, we went through the four kind of traditional parenting styles, but then there's so many new terms that have popped up in the recent years on social media. Right. We were talking about free range parenting. There's also, what is the, uh, what's the new one? There's I don't know, uh, positive parenting oh, and positive gentle parenting. Yeah, gentle, gentle parenting. parenting. Yep. So mm-hmm. there's there's a lot out there. I, yeah. I think the, the bottom line is, you know, all kids can be successful regardless of their upbringing and their upbringing parenting style at home. Just know that. <laughs> the research mm-hmm. shows that authoritative parenting tends to have the, bow- the best outcomes, but certainly um, it is not a foregone conclusion, of course. Mm-hmm. Um, but something that's important to mention the way you parent does influence your child, right? It influences their self-esteem, their levels of independence, their social skills, achievement in school, and a, and a mm-hmm. lot of different areas. So it is something to be mindful of and kind of hence why we're, we're doing a podcast. So mm-hmm. <laughs> yep, yeah, at the end of the day, how you parent your child does matter. Yeah, totally. So I think uh, you know, a nice segue into into what's what's next is well, what if my parenting style is different than my partner? Yeah. I wanna say something that we did not talk about uh when we were prepping for this and something that maybe we should mention is it might be good to get together with your partner to see if mm-hmm. they know what parenting style you are and vice versa. Yeah, because I would tell you right now, I'm pretty confident my husband thinks I'm a permissive parent. I'm not. I will <laughs> tell you, I am not. However, <laughs> we are so opposite on the ends of the spectrum yeah. that he might think I'm being permissive in areas where he's not. And right. so it, but really, like by definition, I'm not. Right. But uh-huh. I feel like in order to have some harmony here, maybe the I don't even know if we have this in here. Right. But the first step should be recognizing where the other person is and like actually maybe reading the definitions and be like, where where do I fall here? And where do yeah. you fall? Because I think that could be really good to do some investigative work. Yeah. So well, first and foremost. <laughs> it's it's caught it, I think it's goes back to like communication, right? Which yeah. is no surprise. Mm-hmm. So communicating about parenting styles. I think it's interesting to have the two of us hosting this, right? Because you guys have very different styles in your home. And in our home, our styles are very similar. Oh so I don't know yeah. if I knew that. 
Wow. Yeah, yeah, we, cool. we don't always agree, but I think we definitely have the same approach on uh-huh. most things when it comes to um, raising our kids. Oh, that's good. So yeah, so it's it's in- so we'll we'll both weigh in from different yeah. angles into this. <laughs> totally right, and so I think it's it's also important to mention that yes, sure, it'd be great if everybody you know if you had the similar parenting styles and that, but sometimes it's a good thing if you have different parenting styles, right? Yeah, because. Your kids ultimately have to get used to flexibility and they're not going to encounter everybody is not going to teach or coach or parent essentially uh, them in the same way. So, yeah. you know, this actually helps create some flexibility here. So it could be good. But sure. I think the the big thing to to remember through this podcast, and I'm working on this one too, um, <laughs> is to remember to operate as a team Right. So yeah. even if you have totally different parenting styles, there are ways that, that we can continue to operate as a team. And mm-hmm. and Angie and I have gathered lots of different strategies <laughs> to do that today. How do we do that? <laughs> yes, absolutely. So let's let's dive into it. Um, yeah, obviously, different styles could clash at times, cause problems. So what are we going to do? So we we collected a series of several different strategies based on research, kind of a, an amalgam of sorts. And so mm-hmm. the first one, speaking of communication, like we just yeah. talked about, schedule a weekly parent meeting. Uh, I cannot emphasize this enough. We do this at our house, and I think it is so incredibly helpful. I share this with a lot of families. I talk to a lot of people that do this too, and they say, yes, this definitely um, you know, reduces uh, you know, things that before they bubble up, it also just mm-hmm. makes sure that everybody's aware of the routine and so on. So, you know, the the big meeting focus and we do this on Sunday nights. It could be whenever is convenient for the two partners, right? Two co-parents. But it's not just, you know, hey, we need to kind of get on the same page with regards to our kids' sports schedule for the week or who's doing pickups and drop-offs. But it's also talk about big ticket items. And these are usually things that are evolving over weeks, months, even years. So things like academics and discipline, those are two big ticket items that really, really can suit you well if you if you mm-hmm. try to have some sort of compromise and get, get on the same page about. Um, we know that having consistency helps give kids security. So it is really important that some of those big ticket items, you come together, you also address differences of opinion in private. I know that's easier said than done, but try to take five, try to go into, you know, a separate room. You could say something like, hey, you know what? Let's actually step out. Let's talk about this in private. Um, definitely, definitely going to be helpful <laughs> to do that. But but yeah, schedule that weekly meeting um, to get on the same page with those big ticket items. I was going to say two things on this. One, I feel like having that, hey, we're going to talk about this in private moment. Okay. Um, well, one, it's it's great to do, but sometimes it's not possible to do it right then in that moment. But if you already yeah. have your standing weekly meeting, it could be like, we're going to talk about this on Sunday, right? But it yeah, doesn't have to table be like, well, I'm talking about, I'm bringing this back up, right? Um, yeah. But I think that it's, in, it's important because then that other parent or both parents, right? But the parent who might be saying, I don't, I don't really agree with that strategy, you know, has that voice and they have mm-hmm. that time that they can do it. So then they know, okay. I can bring it up then. I know it's not a good time to bring it up right now. And 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 that could be really helpful. Yeah. The other thing I was going to say on this is if you're not already having that weekly meeting, 
and you're not discussing these big ticket items, I think it might even be helpful to start the meeting with simply just talking about scheduling, right? So we're going to make it easier to start. So it's like, okay, let's just talk about scheduling during this meeting. And then now, hey, you know what? Now that we've got this meeting going, it's going really consistent. We're starting to have some wins here. Everyone's on the same page. Then you bring in the more difficult conversations like academics and discipline because I could see over here, you know, just kind of personal. I feel like if I went in, you know, we're going to talk about all these, you know, 15 different things, it would be like, nope. (laughs) So, you know, I feel like that could be helpful. That's a great idea. Yeah. Yeah. Set yourselves up for success. Right. Yeah. hundred percent. So and then the next one that we that we landed on that could be really helpful. And again, I think it's not always easier said than done, but encouraging your co-parent. Right. So there are probably most likely lots of good things. Right. There's lots of good good strengths and and there's, you know, a lot of things that your co-parent is doing well when it comes to parenting. And so trying to focus your energy on those can be really helpful. And remembering that, well, blaming and shaming, it's it's not going to make things better, right? right. It's probably going to make things worse. And then along yeah. with that, if you're doing that perhaps in front of the kids, right, <laughs> then like, you know, undermining the other one's authority in front of the kids, like that can be so difficult for for the kids because then they don't really know right they're like well who do i listen to right um so you know that could be really helpful there and then something else that i think could be really helpful here for depending on the family right but maybe there you can create some sort of accountability system for yourself with your partner Mm -hmm. or your co-parent right so it might be hey you know every time if i at least if i praise you at least once this week you know that that's a win or you know just holding each other accountable to being kind and really encouraging the other parent i think yeah. could be really helpful absolutely i have an example um my husband does this really well he'll point out things where he'll say hey i really appreciated how you phrased that or i really appreciated mm. how you reminded reminded me to do x y and z in a and in that way it was it was like coming from a place of helpfulness and love and not trying to make me feel terrible about myself you know so he does point that out and that reinforces that behavior and makes me feel good too and i'm more likely to do it you know again oh and i also wanted to mention side note we do have a section at the end if you are a divorced co-parent mm, so yeah we didn't mention that yeah yeah so just uh, so st- stick around <laughs> yeah yes stick around. Uh, we do have that uh, carved out too yeah yeah i think ultimately i think a good you know takeaway for this one would be are you treating your partner like you would treat your friend or your colleague right yes so yeah. i think a lot of times it's so much easier to just kind of unload on our partner totally. right or be more short or have less patience Right. And so if we keep that in mind, I think that can be can be helpful. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I know I know we're going to jump to the next one, but I have to share a really funny story really quick, really quick, I swear. (laughs) Um, So this just happened a couple nights ago and it made me think about it when we're talking about like to be a team. Right. And so, you know, when one parent says no, uh, does the kid think they're going to get a yes from another parent? Right. Or Mm -hmm. they're thinking about ways to like I said no. So that means no. Right. Well, our youngest is only two. (laughs) So it's just really funny to like think about how cognitively they develop. I think I had walked into the room and yes. my little one, he calls all treats sugar, which is really funny. He goes, mommy, <laughs> can I have some sugar? And so <laughs> very, very specific. So I, know, I, don't know, I don't even know where he learned that from, honestly. But <laughs> so I heard, I over, before I walked into the room, I overheard him say to, to daddy, he said, daddy, can I have some sugar? And you know, Seth was like, no, no, we can't have sugar right now. It's bedtime. 
And then mm-hmm. I turned the corner and he goes, mommy, can I have some sugar? <laughs> and I just looked over and I was like, I heard you say no. Why is he asking me? And of course he said, I think he thinks he's going to get a yes. <laughs> but it was just like a funny moment that we had. And I was just like, of course, it got my my mind going on, okay, developmentally, when do they understand that like one parent says no, does that mean both parents say no? Or, you know, Mm. I just kind of went into a spiral in my mind there. But I just thought that was so funny because I'm like, huh, he really thinks he's going to get a yes right now. Yeah. He's not going to get a yes. (laughs) But I just had to share. (laughs) Yeah. I think it kind of depends house from house to house, Uh right? Like some kids will start to learn that no means no. And then in some houses, you know, you do go from one part. Uh-huh. parent to the next and yeah you might get a different answer i think people kids are clued in fairly early too in terms of the level of um like being on the same page that their parents uh-huh. are too so it's yes. yeah it's an interesting dynamic in yeah. yeah yeah all right so this next one i know this is probably going to sound like oh this is andrew the therapist talking but honestly <laughs> this is a very efficacious strategy i promise using I statements. So when we are talking about two co-parents, married or not, you're connected forever, right? You've got a child or or multiple children that you share. Uh Um, (laughs) You got to get stuff accomplished, right? And so likely you're going to get more accomplished if you use respectful language, if you're using I statements. So something like you always baby him. You want him to be dependent on you. This is an example from a consultation not that long ago um the one of the parents was saying yeah you you know you just you want him to be dependent on him on you 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 always baby him and so on as opposed to you know i i really want our child to be independent i want to create opportunities for him to to learn how to do these things so that he's ready to go when he goes to college next year um Uh It's a, it, it definitely can get a lot more accomplished that way uh, because you're not putting the other person on the defensive. So it goes back to what we were talking about a little earlier. Being mindful of the language that you use and how you communicate things can make a huge difference. And you might need to flex that muscle a little bit. You might need to practice. It might not come okay. natural for you, but being intentional, trying out those I statements um, definitely could give you get you a little further. Totally. And if you have that established weekly meeting, right? Mm-hmm. Like this is where there you can you practice the whole week how you're going to phrase this because yep. this is a really hard one. I think it's difficult. It's so easy to be accusing, accusatory, yeah. right? Like you did that. Therefore, right. right? So I feel like that can be quite natural. Yeah. So we have to, we, we got to shift it. So using yeah. I statements becomes more natural. Makes well, sense. and I think that some people grow up in a household where if something happens, a parent might immediately jump to who did it, right? And Ugh. so you're programmed to be defensive or programmed for that sort of interaction. Um, other households, it might be like, oh, that was an accident. Is hey, it? everybody, let's come clean it up. You know, so, so much of this goes back into our childhood. And mm-hmm. yeah, so I think it may take more work. Like we talked about with the um, authoritative parenting too. You might need to just be more intentional, have more practice, write it down, have reminders, accountability partners, uh-huh. whatever the case may be. But uh, definitely a worthy task to to start practicing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. And and I think this one goes nicely. So the next one is be open-minded, right? For so sure. there's a chance. <laughs> there's a <laughs> chance that your co-parent's idea 
might be better than your idea. What? <laughs> I know. I know. And I think this is going to happen, right? Like it's sure. natural for one Aaron to have a really great idea and then another to have another really great idea. But the, okay. the point here is to be open-minded and, and not always say like, no, it has to go this way because that's how I was raised, for example, right? Right. So, right. You know, this is what I think is best. And so I think it goes back to what we were saying before is just having that open communication, but also having an open mind okay. and coming together. And this is where how I had mentioned, you know, understanding the other parents parenting style, just like yeah. you would want to understand their love language. Right. Like, I think it's just as important because yeah. then you may understand, oh, you know what? Oh, my co-partner thinks this or co-parent thinks this because they were raised that way. Oh, that makes mm-hmm. sense. Okay, let's have a conversation about it. So right. I think it just, it, it, I don't know, it takes away some of the, maybe some of the stress. Yeah, or some of the judgment. It mm. takes away oh, yeah. some of the judgment too totally. because you can't, if you're, <laughs> I will say when you're in a high stress situation, your true self really comes out, your true uh-huh. parenting style, that kind of the knee jerk reaction really comes right. out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> And we're not thinking, it's kind of unintentional at that point. So yeah, just you know, being understanding and, and mm-hmm. knowing that they they're trying their best in that moment, but those are those moments that <laughs> we're maybe not right. always making the best decision. Yeah, yeah, so, exactly. Yeah. All right, so getting down to the last couple, or actually, this is the last one before we get into our segment on divorce. Seek support. So definitely, there's counseling available. Of course, couples counseling. I think post pandemic counseling has had a real. Uh, resurgence of uh, counseling is so much easier to come by than ever before. There's a lot of free counseling, you know, through employers and so on through EAP uh-huh. programs, which is great. And then separate from counseling, but also very important, having parent training, right? So you want to look for people that have <laughs> the degrees and the the experience to actually go through and teach you various parenting strategies, but parenting training is is also very, very important, um, maybe in parallel to counseling. Mm-hmm. Um, in both of these, you're going to have probably, hopefully, an experience where you're feeling heard. Um, the, the counselor or the parent trainer is likely not going to take sides unless something egregious is going on. Um, sometimes, you know, there isn't a solution. And it's just important to be able to build up your tools in your tool belt. So down the road, you're able to kind of come together and problem solve as a team. So being able to seek support, sometimes you might be at a, a true impasse. I think we're going to talk about that a little bit later, okay. but seeking professional support uh, may be a good option for you. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's a good call out. You know, I agree that that some of the stigma attached to counseling and even getting training and for anything, right, is, is mm-hmm. decreasing, which is great. And so it can be a really good resource. Yeah. Wow. I'm just thinking like, um, for example, if let's say you want to have your child start taking medica- medication for their ADHD mm. yep. and then the other partner says, no way, no way, no way, that mm-hmm. you're at a total impasse, right? That's a big, big ticket item. And right. if you're, you can't be on medication and not on medication at the same time, right? Mm-hmm. It's very, <laughs> yep. it's a very, um, what do you call that? Like a binary thing, right? So um, that would be something where you would say, hey, our child's super important. We cannot come to agreement on this. We probably need to seek some outside guidance. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's a perfect example. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Good. Okay. Well, let's 
move it along. So, of course, as we mentioned, uh, certainly there are parents who are separated or divorced and your kids are living in different households. And this can add an extra layer of complications when it comes to communication and being on the same team. And potentially there are, you know, there's there's hurt feelings here. So uh, so we definitely want to to address this one. So the first thing that we want to mention, and uh, this one comes up quite a bit on my consultations, it's it's hard it's hard to put your feelings aside, right? But we want to make mm-hmm. sure that we have our best interest in mind for our children, right? Yeah. And so even if you want to say something <laughs> uh, poor about the other parent, uh, it might be helpful to kind of hold those things in, right? Yeah. So, and you know, I know this section is dedicated toward divorce and separation. However, I feel like this one's super applicable yeah. inside the home as well because Maybe. there might be, so an example might be your, the co-parent doesn't come to any of the, the sporting events, right? And maybe right. the child says, why isn't mommy here? Why isn't daddy here, right? And okay. instead of saying like, you know, they're always working, they're never here, right? Anything that you could say that might, because you're upset, yeah. right? Like it's a perfect, this is a perfect example. We got to hold those things in, right? right? And we need to kind of, change the narrative a bit and and just be very careful about the wording that you're using with your kids yeah uh, just because of the message you're sending absolutely yeah it, you might you might feel better in the very moment that you uh-huh. say that because you're like huh there yeah yeah right but that doesn't help your child if anything uh-huh. that's sending them mixed messages making them confused making them upset so that's where you want to process those frustrations uh-huh. elsewhere uh-huh. Um, right that's a big that's an adult issue that's not a kid right. Yeah. Issue that, that your kid has to carry. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep, definitely. So, okay. So getting into the next one, remember that you can't control what happens at the other parent's house. So this mm-hmm. definitely fits squarely into if you've got a, a two-parent or a, a, a two-household situation going. Mm-hmm. So it is important to establish as much regular communication as you can with that co-parent. If you can still get together and have those weekly meetings or even just on the phone, um, to address those big ticket items, that's going to be great. But um, at the end of the day, just make sure that your child is crystal clear about the rules in your house mm-hmm. and be consistent with those, right? That's that's really the best you can do. We hear this all the time, which is, yes. oh, it's so, you know, it's crazy and chaotic. They're, they don't, they're not uh, forced to do their homework at their other parent's house and all that stuff. Um, there is only so much that you can do. And you got to focus on on uh, where you have the most influence, which is your own home. And then, of course, one thing you can do, though, what you have some control over is kind of teaching good skills and good values for your child, right? So if they want to grow up and be a veterinarian, for example, talking about the importance of, well, doing our homework, being a good student. So that way, at the other family's house, if maybe that parent doesn't really check homework or doesn't force the kids to do homework, they might be more intrinsically motivated to to do it in the long run. So I, I feel like that's kind of one thing that you can do to it mm-hmm. to influence your child. But but you know, as a whole, you really can't control what's going on over there. Totally. I I was just gonna say that that's a perfect example. And I have a parent that I've been working with who there's been um two kids and the younger one is a toddler, right? And so he hits a lot, hits big brother mm-hmm. often. Um, and in dad's house, dad has been able to really manage that behavior, provides a lot of redirection, positive praise with the toddler <laughs> and all this stuff. 
But the older kiddo has expressed that when he goes over to mom's house, it's been really hard for him because his baby brother, you know, punches mm. him in, in a toddler mm-hmm. way, right? Nothing too major. Um, yeah. But I said, you know, you can't, like we said, right? You can't control what goes on in the other parent's house. However, you can teach big brother to redirect, teach big mm-hmm. brother to provide praise, right? So now we're talking mm-hmm. about what skills can they take with them over right. to the other house, which is great. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then another, the next one here, when they're, when you're at an impasse, right, and not one that we've said where there's like no solution, but uh, when you're just having, you're disagreeing, right, figure out where you can find some overlaps to your main goals for your child or your children. So there might be something that you agree on, right, that maybe dental hygiene, right? Maybe mm-hmm. that's, that's something that we say, you know what, we agree on dental hygiene, we are going to create this system that how however you know they can make sure they brush their teeth twice a day what have you right so create you can create whatever you know whatever it looks like but find some common ground something that you can start with to create (laughs) some harmony among the two households and then certainly you could build from there yeah absolutely that's start start easy start small yeah yeah, exactly the overlap get some Mm -hmm. get some small wins right (laughs) we're big fans of getting small wins yeah exactly (laughs) yeah All right. Well, that kind of covers it. Um, I think just a general statement, right, is overall, Mm -hmm. it's it's kind of unrealistic, as we've talked about, to expect your co-parent to always be on the same page as you and have the same exact parenting approaches that you do in every situation. Um, What we know from the research, though, luckily, is that it is not a requirement for raising a successful child. Although, as we talked about before, Mm -hmm. your parenting style does matter it does influence but it's not a requirement that you be both exactly the same which is okay. good right um the, the main thing though the main i guess ideas to distill down is if you're operating as a team you try your best to communicate respectfully and often be open-minded and seek outside help when you need it you are definitely setting yourself up to have as you know effective a parenting journey as you can Mm -hmm. yeah well said that's a great we'll leave on that we'll end on that that's that's really really good perfect okay well thanks everyone for joining us on our 44th episode of behaviorally speaking on our next episode we will discuss how to talk to your child about their diagnosis until then don't forget to subscribe to this podcast on your favorite platform so you never miss an episode You've been listening to Behaviorally Speaking with Angela Nelson and Kristen Bondi, brought to you by Rethink Care. Find out more at RethinkCare.com. You can find past podcast episodes under the resources tab. We also invite you to subscribe, follow, like, and leave us feedback wherever you listen to podcasts. Your feedback helps us prepare topics and content for future episodes. Until next time, have a great day.